Father, thank you, God, for this time of worship. Lord, thank you so much for reminding us through this worship song, God, just how much you love us through your son, Jesus Christ. Lord, as we talk about relationships and we talk about the way that we're supposed to behave inside those relationships, God, we, we know that, that Christ, Christ is the standard to which we're held. Lord, that amazing love that he showed for us, uh, that affectionate love that he showed for us, that agapeo love that he showed for us, Lord, that, that's the standard. Uh, Lord, a lot of times I know that we get confused about what love really is. God, but love is ultimately sacrificial. God, I pray that we recognize that through, through this time as we study your word. We see, God, how you just, you love us sacrificially and how we're to love each other sacrificially. God, and you call that submission in your word. Lord, thank you so much, Lord, for this time to study your word. God, for you to speak to us through your word. I pray that we'd be attentive right now. God, I pray that we would listen closely, Lord, so that you might be glorified by just renewing our hearts and our minds uh, through the glory of your word. Father, we love you. In Jesus' name, amen. You can be seated. I feel like we need to uh, kind of look at our Simplify logo real quick. Connie, can you pull that up so we can... This is what Simplify is all about. I think every now and then we need to look at this and remind ourselves what we're doing here. Sometimes I get off track myself, so I have to remind myself what we're doing here. It says, no matter if you're a Christian or not, you have questions about God. Teens, in particular, want straight answers. That's what Simplify is all about. We want to simplify the complex and proclaim the name of Jesus. So that's why we're here. We want to simplify the complex. So, <laughs> there's nothing more complex than boy-girl relationships, am I right? There's nothing that I know of, really, uh, that, that's more complex than that. Men don't understand women. Women don't understand men. And the good news is this is not a struggle that's new. This has been around for a while, right? Like ever since, you know, we talked about last week, ever since <laughs> Adam and Eve were in the garden together and, and, and Eve sinned and it was Adam's fault and there was tension between them and all that kind of stuff. So it happened with the first couple. So the good news is you're not the only one that's going to struggle in your relationships. Uh, if you're a guy, you're going to struggle with your relationship with girls. Girls, you're going to struggle in your relationship with guys. It's always going to be a struggle. I hate to tell you that, but it's a reality and there. You know, the society has tried to tell us that it's, it's going to be easy, right? It's going to be easier if you just find the hottest chick in the world. If you find the hottest guy in the world, that's what you got to look for. If you find that, it's all going to be good and it's all going to work out great, right? So that's what television shows us. That's what we sing about in songs. Like, all you got to do is find that perfect-looking guy, that perfect-looking girl, all of that, maybe they got a lot of money, that helps, right? If you find that, then you are set, you are good to go, right? Like Lamar Odom, right? There's a great example. Good-looking guy, professional athlete, got it going on, you know. Who was it that he married? Was it Khloe Kardashian? That, yeah, thank you. Uh, it was Khloe Kardashian. Their, their, their marriage did. I mean, in, in Hollywood terms, their marriage lasted a long time. It was like, what, four years? Something like that. I mean, like it was, it was a long-standing relationship before they finally decided to get a divorce, you know. You would think, yeah, I mean, if, if this is what we, we are taught through television and we look at Hollywood and we see this all the time, like, like the best-looking people with all the money, they're the ones that are going to have the best relationships, right? Like, like that's the standard, right? So if, if, if you've got lots of money and you're really good-looking, then you're going to have the best relationships, right? 
why is it we don't see that working out in Hollywood a lot of times? Well, a lot of times. Oh, let me take that back. You hardly ever see it working out in Hollywood like that, right? So they got a lot of money. They're really good looking because they're on TV and all this kind of stuff. And they, they, you know, they just got it all figured out, right? Wrong. They don't. You know why most of them don't have it figured out? One reason. One reason. Jesus Christ. If you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ... What I'm about to tell you, you might as well tune out now. You might, you might already just leave if you want to. That's perfectly fine. Because what I'm telling you is how to, how to work inside the confines of what God has made a relationship to be. And it starts out in Ephesians chapter 5 where we're going to be talking about being spirit-filled. That's what Ephesians chapter 5 is all about, about being spirit-filled. You know, if you're not spirit-filled, meaning you don't have Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior... You don't have the Holy Spirit of God dwelling within you, then forget about it. I, I'm not saying it's impossible. I, I'm just saying, like, you, you are starting out way on the wrong foot. Like, like if you, I'm going from here to there. I wouldn't start right here, and that is to be without Christ. So, the first questions I, that I ask in, in marriage counseling are you a Christian? Because, because I, won't, I won't marry two people that aren't Christians. Because there's, there's no way that they can love each other. Not truly. If you don't love Jesus Christ first, there's no way you can, can love each other truly. It's not possible. I, I'm telling you. And I'm not just saying that because that's what the Bible tells me. I'm, I'm, I'm telling you that because that's what you see in the world over and over and over and over again. Now, am I saying that if you're a Christian, that everything's going to work out great? You're going to have great relationships? No, not saying that either. You have to be spirit-filled. You have to follow the leadership of the Holy Spirit. You have to do what the Spirit shows you to do. And if you do all those things, I think there's a very good chance that you'll have a good relationship. We're talking about the relationship of husband and wife. If God has given you the gift of singleness and you're able to, to dwell within that, then you should be faithful to that. You should be committed to that. If God has called you to be in single, great. Glory to God. We'll be talking about that next week, what it means to be single. But if you feel like one day I'm going to be in a marriage relationship. One day I'm going to be married. I'm going to have a husband. I'm going to have a wife. We're going to look today at what the Bible says about what that looks like. Now, we, we, we said that through this series, you're going to be looking at different biblical couples and seeing the struggles that they had because they were human beings and because they were, they were people like you and I and, and they went through some stuff because everybody goes through stuff. We said we'd do that and we're going to continue to do that. But I think in the middle of that, we need to take a break and look just strictly at what the Bible says a husband and wife are supposed to be and how they're supposed to operate inside this thing called marriage. If you're really spirit-filled, if you desire to be spirit-filled, this is how it's supposed to go down. This is how it's supposed to happen. It will be in Ephesians chapter 5. We're actually going to back up from verse 18 where this really starts. We're going to start in verse 15. Excuse me, it starts in... We're going to be starting in verse 15. It actually starts... In verse 21. So we're going to get a running start at this thing about what it means to be spirit-filled a little bit. I, because I think this is noteworthy. Paul is talking to this church. He's writing them a letter. This is how you be spirit-filled. This is important. You need to listen to this. He's telling them this stuff. Luckily, we, we're privy to these conversations. They, the, somebody got the letters. They said, hey, this will make a good book one day. They put it together. That's what we got. It's called the Bible. It's great stuff. You should read it sometime. Verse 15 of Ephesians chapter 5 says this. So be careful how you live. Oh, that's good advice, right? 
Like, don't be stupid. You know, that's what I tell you all the time, right? As, as youth, as young adults, as college kids, I say, I love you. Don't be stupid. That's the only two rules I have when we go on trips, all right? All right, number one is you remember I love you. Number two is you remember not to be stupid. Now, if you can do both of those things, mission accomplished, we've done something at Simple Church. You know what I mean? Like, if you can teach a teenager not to be stupid, glory to God in the highest, right? Like, I mean, you have really accomplished something if you can get a teenager not to be dumb. Remember, I love you. Don't be stupid. That's good. Paul, Paul says that here. He says, he says, be careful how you live. He says, don't be stupid. Don't live like fools. Don't be stupid, right? That's what he says. Don't be stupid. I'm not crazy. I'm, I didn't make this stuff up. It's in here. It's in the book. I mean, really. Don't be stupid. Don't live like fools, but like those who are wise. So don't be stupid. Make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. He says, like, right now, it's not going so well in society. Now, when did Paul write this? Like, oh, like almost 2,000 years ago? He says the days are evil. He's like, it's not good times right now. You know what your mom and daddy tell you all the time? Oh, man, I don't know how kids today survive. I don't know how, I don't know how teenagers make it. it it's, it's so awful out there. This world is so corrupt, and politicians are evil, and it's just, oh, it's just a terrible place, right? And boy, everything is the same now as it was back in Paul's day. Trust me. There were corrupt politicians back then. There were Lamar Odoms back then going to brothels and passing out because their own coke. And I mean, like that was, I mean, it, it still, I mean, this kind of stuff was, was prevalent in Paul's day, just like it's prevalent today's day. He says, take advantage of the opportunity in these evil days. Take advantage of the opportunity not to be stupid. He says, don't act thoughtlessly. See, he keeps saying it over and over again. But understand what the Lord wants you to do. Oh, good. I need to know what the Lord wants me to do. Isn't that what we need to do? I mean, like, I think that's why we're here tonight, right? Like, what does the Lord want me to do? That would be good to know. Spill it out, Paul, for us. And we get to something that some people, like, want to debate me about this. Don't be drunk with wine because that will ruin your life. You know what he says? Don't get drunk because that's stupid. I didn't write the stuff, man. It's in there. I'm telling you. I didn't put these, I didn't like type this up and be like, I'm going to trick them and make them think that it's in Ephesians chapter 5. You, you've got a book. Go look it up. It says this. Don't be drunk because that's stupid. It'll ruin your life. I like the New Living Testament, uh, the, it, this translation, the New Living Translation. It's so good because it says it'll ruin your life. <laughs> it doesn't get any more plain or simple than that. We had seen why we had to go back here. I mean, it just makes sense, right? Like, if I'm going to start out living for God and I'm going to get this relationship with God right and I'm going to have a godly relationship uh, and, and my, my marriage is going to be pleasing to God, then I just got to not be stupid, don't get drunk because that's stupid. It says, instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs among yourselves and making music to the Lord in your hearts, giving thanks for everything to God the Father in the name of, the, of our Lord Jesus Christ. What does he say here? It, you know, where do we do this kind of stuff? Is there a particular place that you can think of where we sing psalms and hymns and praises and, and, and we give thanks to God and in the name of our, our Lord Jesus Christ? Is there a place where you can think you can go and do that? Maybe on a Wednesday at 6 o'clock or maybe on a Sunday morning at 10 o'clock. Is there a place that you can possibly think of where you might be able to go and do this stuff together like Paul says in order that you be filled with the Holy Spirit in order that you live a life pleasing to God? Is there possibly a place that you could do that? 
That's good. Thank you, Holly. Holly said it out loud. Y'all all may have missed it, but Holly said church. Don't be stupid, right? It's good. Thank you, Holly. That was good, man. She, she knew. She, I, didn't even have, I didn't even have to, like, spell it out. I didn't even have to tell you it started with a C. It, it, church, that's where we do this. That's, that's why it's so important that we want to be filled with the Holy Spirit. We want to not be stupid. Let's go to church. Let's sing praises, sing psalms to God. It's important because we live in evil days. Okay, look, that's just pretty simple. That's good stuff right there. I mean, like, you need to write that down or highlight it or something. Like, that's good stuff. So let's go on. We're actually going to continue on now where it talks about being a husband, being a wife. And further, take it to the next level, take it to the next, next step. It says, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Uh-oh. There's that word. That, boy, everybody loves that six-letter six word right there, Submit. I'm going to say it three times so everybody can get it in their brain. Submit. Submit. Now, here's the thing. We're going to talk about, it. It's, it, we're going to talk about what it says, all right? But I can tell you right now, in the, in, in the days that we live in, the, the, the time that we live in, this might as well be a four-letter word. People don't like this word. They don't like it when it refers to husbands and wives. They don't like it when it refers to God and themselves. They, people just don't like to submit. You know why? Because we have been, we've been taught that what we got is freedom, right? So you're, you're entitled to freedom, right? I mean, we put it in the Constitution. Like, you, you got freedom, man. If you got freedom, you don't have to submit to anybody, right? Like, I do my own thing, man. What are you talking about? I don't have to submit. I I'm me, you know, I, I'm, I'm the captain, you know, I, I don't submit to nobody, you know. How far from the truth can that be, man? You, you submit every single day. You, you don't believe me? Try doing 90 miles an hour down Highway 21, see what happens. See what happens. You're going to submit, all right? They're going to have you face, face first down on top of your Ford Taurus, with your arms behind your back, and everybody's like, who's driving the Ford Taurus? They're going to have you with your arms behind your back. You're going to submit, I guarantee you. When you get older, by the way, when you get older and you think, man, I own my house. This is my house, you know. Maybe you pay a mortgage, but you're like, you check the little box when you do a little credit check thing. Say, I own. I don't rent. I own. It's mine. And you're like, I, I got this. And I don't submit to nobody because it's my house and this is my stuff and this is my dirt, you know. And you're like, this is mine, right? Everybody's chuckling. Yeah, it, it is funny because that's what you're thinking up here. But try this. Try not paying your property tax and see if it's still your house. Because it won't be your house for long. It'll be your house and it'll be the government's house and it'll be somebody else's house. But it won't be your house for long. You may think you're a big shot and you may think you own it. But I guarantee you, you're submitting whether or not you want to admit it or not. Now, how, how does this work itself out in our relationship to Christ? Submit. God, he, he, he says it this way. He says, he says, you've got freedom in Christ, right? Like, you, you can do these things and still be in Christ. And that, that's great and that's wonderful. And you need to recognize how lovely that is to have freedom in Christ. But you have more freedom when you submit to Christ. When you see the, the way that God has set it up, when you really see that when you put, put God as number one in your life, then you really experience freedom in your life. You really know what it means 
to have genuine love. You know what it means to have genuine joy and happiness in your life. You know what it means to have peace. I mean, can, can you imagine, can you imagine not having those things and, and, and trying to go about your life? Well, that's what people do all the time. That's what, because they don't put Jesus Christ, number one, in their life. They keep searching around for those things and try, trying to find them in somebody else or, or some, some, something else. And what happens? They all gets messed up for them, right? That's what happens out in Hollywood. That's what you see. They don't have Christ as number one. They don't have any peace. They don't have any joy. They don't have any freedom like they think that they have. They're really held bondage by their sin, for one thing. Their, their money that they got so much of, that they're held in bondage by that. All their, their peace and their joy and, and, and their love, it's all held in bondage by all this junk that they piled up around them. And they don't have any of it. They don't really truly have freedom. They're, they're really in chains, and they don't want to admit it, but they really are. And you and I can see that. We watch them on TV, and we read the newspaper, and we see what's going on in their life. You go, they don't look free to me. They look like they're in bondage. And you're right, they are. Paul says, submit. Submit out of reverence for Christ. Now, nobody has a real problem. If you're a Christian, you, you got that, Right? Like, I understand I'm supposed to submit to Christ. I understand that he's supposed to be number one in my life. If you're not a Christian, you don't understand that. Man, I'd love to tell you what that means. I'd love to tell you what it means to have a relationship with Christ so you can really experience freedom. After we're done here, if you'd like to talk to me about that, I'd love to tell you about the freedom you can experience through Christ Jesus. Most Christians don't have a problem with this idea of submitting to Christ. You get to verse 22 and everybody starts backing up, right? Like they're, 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 they're moving along good and, and things are going good and then they just kind of, uh-oh. So women, we start with you. Everybody's smiling. Oh, good. Start with the women. Ladies first, right? For wives, this means submit to your husbands as to the Lord. We're going to get there. Hang on. For a husband is the head of his wife as Christ is the head of the church he is the savior of his body, the church. As, Christ, as the church submits to Christ, so you wives should submit to your husbands in everything. Oh, I even dread talking about it. Because most of y'all are already rolling your eyes, right? Most of y'all are already like, come on, man, give me a break. I know what it says. I've read it before. You don't have to throw it in my face again. This, let me tell you something. Let me tell you what this is. This is not domination this is not that 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 a man is as your husband is supposed to lord over you supposed to force you to submit is supposed to to dominate you in any way shape or form especially when it comes to your relationship with christ there's no gender difference it doesn't matter if you're a man or a female you can still worship jesus be close to jesus in the same way this is really talking about how we have our place that God has orchestrated a place in, in, in our family that we're supposed to, to fall into. He's given us a role. He's given us a way that it's supposed to work itself out. Just like you understand that you're supposed to submit to the Lord, women, it says that in order for you to have true freedom in your relationship with your husband, that you are to submit to him the same way you would submit to Christ. Does that mean he's supposed to lord over you? We're going to talk about the guys in a minute, so hang tight. Ladies, you just got, like, this is a short little piece compared to what the guys got. The guys got a lot harder, trust me. 
Everybody's going like the women. It seems like we just get the raw end of the deal all the time. We got labor. We got labor pains and all that. I'm telling you, the guys have got it worse when it comes to the next few verses. Just hang tight with me for just a minute. Let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. If you truly love, you truly submit. Okay? Submission is not just saying, I go along whatever he says. It's not going, whatever you say goes, honey, I'm all on board with it. You make the decision, I'm all on board with it. No, that's not what it means. Here's what it means. You work together. You discuss things. You work out the pros and cons, whether it's buying a house, buying a car, going to church. Where you go to church or, 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 or. That, that word, that D word, denomination word. Uh, you work these things out together. And you talk about them, and you, 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 you literally, you struggle together with the decisions, but ultimately when the end comes, you go, I submit. And there's, there's freedom in that submission if the man is meeting his end of the deal. There's freedom in that submission if the guy is doing what God has called him to do, which we'll see in just a minute, you will go, you know what, I can trust this man. I can trust that he's doing the right thing because he himself is truly submitting to God. I can trust that, that he's doing the right thing because I see him seeking God and I see how he loves God and I see how he desires to please God and because of that, I can truly submit to him in that and because I know that he is seeking after God, there is freedom in that. That's, that's powerful stuff. Now, people don't like the word submit, but it's a beautiful picture. You don't think it's a beautiful picture until you look at your relationship with Christ. You're like, oh, yeah, that is a beautiful picture because I know that he's going to lead me the right way. If the man is doing what he's supposed to do and following Christ the way that he's supposed to do it, then there is beautiful freedom in you saying, I trust that he's going to lead us the right way. I can put my faith and my trust in him seeking God. I'm putting my faith and trust in his relationship with God is really what it means. I almost need to like let that settle a little bit, let people deal with that, because that's truly what it means. It means at the end of the day, when it's all said and done, you say, you know what, I trust him because I know that he's seeking God. I trust him because I know that he loves God and desires to please God with his life, and because of that, I can trust him in that. Now, what's the problem with this? What's the problem? You know what the problem is? It's rare. It's rare. You know how rare it is that women submit to their husbands? Just as rare as it is that men submit to Christ. It's pretty rare. Men have a problem with submission in general. I was talking to my buddy about this the other day. I was like, you know, why, why do you see men not leading? In the church or in their families, you just don't see them leading. And I, I've said this before, it drives me crazy that uh, Beth Holt tells a story about them going over to Africa or somewhere, and, and they were like missionaries, man. Well, they were just flocking into this area, and one of the dudes looks around. He goes, he goes, aren't the men the, the leaders in your churches? Aren't the men supposed to be like the leaders in your households and in your churches? Aren't they, they supposed to be the ones that, that are leading in that regard? They're like, well, yeah. They said, well, where are they? Where are all the men missionaries? Because all I see here is women. There's a great disparity. There's, there's a great disparity between men and women in the church. 
And it makes me sick. It really does. If there's anything that really bothers me to my core, it's that. You know, you know why men don't submit? Because they're cowards. They're afraid to. That's why. They're, they're afraid to submit to Christ. They're afraid that what, what's he going to do in my life? What does that mean to submit to Christ? What's going to happen if I truly do that? Man, I, I, I really have to restrain myself just a little bit there because it drives me crazy so much I could, I could really get on a soapbox and I'm not going to do that. But let me just say this. Men are cowards because they're afraid to commit. They're afraid to submit and they're afraid to surrender to Jesus Christ and his lordship. And I hope I'm not talking to any men in here, but man, it drives me crazy to see that. And you see evidence of that every single day. You see evidence of it in, in the men that serve in the church, for example. You see women stepping up and doing all the stuff that men should do. Why? Because men won't do it. Because they're afraid to. They're afraid to. Being a man, it, it, it drives me crazy, and I'm, I'm not going to... We, we're not going to spend 30 minutes talking about how it drives me crazy. It says, uh, love your wives as Christ loved the church. Love your wives as Christ loved the church. Let's go ahead and go to the next slide. Husbands, this means love your wives just as Christ loved the church. He gave up his life for her to make her holy and clean and wash her with the cleansing of God's word. He did this to present her to himself as a glorious church without a spot or wrinkle or any other blemish. Instead, she'll be holy without fault. In the same way, husbands are to love their wives as they love their own bodies. So we're going to leave this up here for just a minute. What is the man commanded to do? What's the commandment of the, of the woman? She is, she is to submit as she submits to the Lord. What is the man supposed to do? Love. Love your wives. For husbands, this means love your wives just as Christ loved the church. What kind of love was that? That was the, that agape love. That's the most intense kind of love. That is a, a, a sacrificial kind of love. It, it says that, that he went on to give himself up for her. He died for the church. He died for the people like you and I that want to submit to him, that's the people he died for. As a matter of fact, he died not only for the people that want to submit to him, he died for the people that don't want to submit to him too. So what does that mean for us, guys? It means if your wife doesn't submit to you, that you're supposed to beat her over the head with your leather-bound Bible? Nope. If she doesn't submit to your authority, use that word loosely, your role in the family, she doesn't submit to that. Does that mean that you have a right to just ignore her and to not love her and to not care for her? The answer to that is no, absolutely not. You do not. One sin does not justify another. If she does not submit to you, you know what you're supposed to do? You're supposed to submit to the Lord. If she submits to you, you know what you're supposed to do? Submit to the Lord. See, Christ died for people that loved him and people that didn't love him. Christ loved the people... That, that hated him as well as the people that loved him with a sacrificial kind of love, meaning he gave himself up for her. He cared so much for the church that he died for her. What does that mean for you and I, guys? What does that mean that we're supposed to do? 
We're supposed to care so much that we're willing to give up our lives in order that that God may be glorified in our families, that we're supposed to submit so sacrificially that we don't even matter anymore. You know what you're supposed to do? I wish I I need something to illustrate this with. Okay, we got green here and green here, okay? This is God. this This is the wife. This is the man standing between the two, okay? What is this supposed to mean as as a man has a woman submit to him and he is leading her towards Christ sacrificially? What is that supposed to mean? You know what that means? It means he simply takes a step back and he says, when you see me, I want you to see Christ and I want you to follow Christ. I want you to do everything in me that I want you to see points to Christ. I want you to see that I'm so surrendered to Christ that everything you see in me is only because God did it in me and it's not anything that I did. Because I no longer matter. It is Christ that matters. So you follow me and I will lead you to Christ. That's that's the way it's supposed to happen. Now, does that mean that you're supposed to have 45 uh, verses memorized? Does that mean that you're supposed to have, you know, the whole book of Leviticus committed to memory so that you can recite that to her? No. No, but she should see you loving God and loving his word. Uh Uh-oh. She should see you loving God and loving his word, caring about the things that God says. You remember the big problem between Adam and Eve? God told, told Adam, he said, look, this is a tree you're not supposed to eat from. God made woman for Adam, took a rib. She was naked. He goes, whoa, man, you know, and there she was, and Whose responsibility was it then to tell her not to go and eat of that tree? It was a man's responsibility. Satan comes along and he gets her all confused. I don't know if Adam gave her bad information or he didn't just drive home the point. Whatever the case was, she didn't know exactly what God says. And because of that, Satan was able to come in, cause confusion, and all of eternity fell as a result. Are you supposed to know everything that's in that Bible now? Are you supposed to know that where can I go to find out what, it's like, what I'm supposed to do to be a husband? You're supposed to know that that's in Ephesians chapter 5. You better believe it. You should at least be familiar enough to say, you know what? I've read that and it was important enough that I marked it in my Bible. I dog-eared that page and said, this is going to be important one day. I told Cassie, I said, whenever she, uh, whenever she, she dates somebody and he comes to ask me, Can I marry your daughter? I said, I'm going to look at him and ask him one question. Where in the Bible do you find where it says how a husband is supposed to treat his wife? And if he can't tell me Ephesians chapter 5, I'm going to say, no, you do not have my permission. Go look it up. Everybody's like, oh, you can't do that to him. You darn right I can. You better believe I can. Now, now she may go out on her own and, and like tell him that that's what's going to happen ahead of time. Son, you better, whatever he says, you better say Ephesians chapter 5, okay? Now, she may do that, but I'm telling you, he better know. So that when I do ask him that question, he's going to say Ephesians chapter 5. Man, this stuff is so important. It's so, man, I I don't care. I, I I don't care how many verses you have memorized. I care that you care about the word. How can you grow close to God? I got to get on to the next verse how can you grow close to God if you don't grow close to his word look at what it says it says he gave up his life to make her holy and clean washed by the cleansing of God's word 
He's supposed to, it literally says in the uh, English Standard Version, to wash her with the water of the word, to, to cleanse her with the word. Now, I said this a long time ago, and I, I thought it was pretty good, so I'll, I'll say it again. And that is, how can you wash her in the word if you're not bathing yourself in the word right now? How, how can you, you wash her with the word if you, you're, not, you're not bathing yourself, you're not diving into God's word yourself? There ain't no way. There ain't no way. Everybody says, well, man, I'm just not a biblical scholar. Let me tell you something. I want to tell you something about Kenny Nix for just a second. This is where I get all transparent and you're like, I don't know if I should, he should be the pastor up there or whatever, right? Okay, let, let me tell you about how far God can take you if you really care about his word and you really care about what he says. So, so Cassie's 13 right now. We really weren't consistent in our church attendance. I mean, really consistent in our church attendance till she was about two or three years old. You got me? You got me? And here I am some 10, 11 years later, and I'm the pastor of this church. Don't tell me God, God can't, can't honor your commitment to his word. Don't tell me for a second I can't learn it. I can't understand it. I'm not good enough. I, I, don't, I can't dig that deep. I, I don't really get it. It just seems like a big blur to me. I don't really understand all this stuff that's being said. Somebody said I had, a King, had to have a King James Version or I was going to hell. I don't understand all that, Kenny. And I'm like, just commit yourself to the Word. Commit yourself to the Word. God can radically transform you. He can radically do something in your life. Who knows? 11 years from now, you may be a pastor. I'm, just, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, if you love God's word, it'll change everything. And it'll certainly change your relationship with your wife. All right, we can go on. It says, love your wife, just love your own bodies. I think most men love their own bodies pretty decently. So, For a man who loves his wife actually shows love for her, love for himself. No one hates his own body but feels, but feeds and cares for it just as Christ cares for the church. This is pretty straightforward, right? To nurture her, to care for her, to feed her what? Feed her a steady diet of the word, to wash her with the word, to cleanse her with the word, and to feed her with the word. That's how you truly care for your wife. It says, and we are members of his body. And as the scriptures say, a man leaves his father and his mother and is joined to his wife, and the two are united as one. This is a great mystery, but it's an illustration of the way Christ and the church are one. So again, I say, each man must love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. Now we use this word respect as a kind of a, a parallel to the word submit. Do you, do you know what, what really, I mean, when I think about what it means to submit to the Lord, what that really means to me, yeah, I think about Repentance and what that means. So the word repentance means to turn away, right? It means to turn the other way. Well, you're turning away from one thing and you're turning towards what? You're turning towards God. What does that mean? You're really submitting to God. You're really submitting to his way and you're really putting your trust and your faith in, in him over you, right? That's basically what it means. Do you know that repentance is not really saying you're sorry? You ever thought about that? It's... It, it, it's not, 
when, when God gave the invitation to Adam and Eve to where, where have you been? Who, who told you you were naked? Who told you this is the way it, it, it had happened? Who told you that? And he was giving them an invitation. It wasn't an invitation for them to go, God, I'm sorry. It was an invitation for them to submit to God. To say that you were right. And I trust you. I trust you completely. Man, this is a lot of heavy stuff, I know. It, it's extremely heavy. Women, what does it mean to submit? If you're in a relationship one day when you're talking about getting married, I want you to look closely at that man. I want you to look him in the eyes and say, is, is this a man who will who lead my children towards Christ or away from Christ? Is this, is this a man who has visible fruit in his life where he loves the things of God and I trust him not only with my life but with the life of my children if we choose to have him one day that he'll be able to take us and all lead us toward Christ? Tough question, right? Tough question. That's the question you need to be asking yourself. That's the question that I always... See, I, I get all these, these girls that come to me, especially college age. I don't know what it is. They're like, I'm in this relationship with this guy and blah, blah, blah. And, and I'm like, is that, is that the man that you want leading your children towards Christ? Yes or no? And they're going, but he's really fine. And I'm like, that's good. That's awesome. That's really, I, I'm tickled to death that he's fine, right? We talked about a minute ago, man, the people in Hollywood, really good-looking people, they ain't got a clue. They think they're free, they're in bondage. Is this a man that, that is pursuing Christ in a way that says, that's the man that I want leading me and my children towards Christ? Yes, indeed, that's the man. I, I got... I got a lot of college-age, young adult girls that they don't come to church anymore because their boyfriend or the guy they're dating right now doesn't come to church. And I go, that's the guy you're going to marry, huh? All right. All right. Don't tell me. Don't. I, I, won't, I won't sugarcoat it, and I won't tell you something besides the truth, by the way. I won't do that. It, don't, don't come talk to me if you want something besides the truth because... Most of y'all know, if you've ever talked to me, I'm going to be the one that's going to tell you the truth and nobody else will, right? There's a lot, a lot of my college kids over there going, uh -huh, yeah. I'm not going to sugarcoat it, and I'm not going to tell you something that's not the truth. Guys, men, if you are a husband now, are you going to be one one day? You hope to be one one day? Are you looking at, at, at the girl that you're thinking about marrying? Are you looking at the girl that, that you're dating right now and going, man, she, she's going she's gonna to submit to me because I am submitting to the Lord and, and I'm willing to, to live so sacrificially for her that I, I'm, I'm constantly giving up myself so that she can see Christ and not see me. Is that the way that you're living? Is that the, the man you desire to be is one that, that so desires to... to to, to be somebody that's pointed toward Christ, that they don't even see you. They aren't in love with you, but they're in love with Christ in you. Whew, that's tough stuff, right? Yeah. That's what it means to be spirit-filled. That's what it means to pursue God in a way that the Holy Spirit of God is what is evident in your life, and there is fruit in your life as a result. And why? Why? It's all because Christ loved us first. He loved us, wanted to give us freedom, wanted to give us give us power it really is power there's power in that freedom that christ supplies 
But you know what you got to do? You got to say, not my will be done, but your will be done. I have to submit. I have to say, Lord, you know what's best. I'm going to pursue you and I'm going to trust you. And everything that I am belongs to you. That's what it takes. Let me pray. Father, thank you, God, for this word. Lord, I know that we've said a lot here tonight. Lord, but the message is really simple. And that is submission. It really is about submission. Whether you're the husband or the wife or the man or the woman. God, the young lady, the young man. God, it's all about submission. First and foremost, it's about submission to Christ. It's about relinquishing themselves, emptying themselves and saying, God, you're everything for me. You are number one in my life. And God, I don't want my will to be done anymore. God, I want you and your will to be done in my life. God, it's all about submission and it always has been. That's what repentance is about. God, it's about surrender. It's not about saying, I'm sorry. It's about saying, yes. It's about saying, yes, Lord, your way. God, and then for maybe there, there are couples in here, God, maybe, maybe they're struggling in their relationships. Maybe they've got pain and suffering in their relationships, and they just want to come and fully to you. God, we know that that's the only way that healing comes. God, it comes through you. So, Lord, why don't we submit to you more and more and more and say, God, you do what you need to do in my life. I'm putting everything in your hands, and I, I'm not going to do it anymore. God, it all belongs to you. So, Lord, you just take control right now. I believe that although it may not fix everything, it's absolutely the right step. Whether they're a Christian or non-Christian, it all begins with surrendering to you. Lord, so you do a great work in our lives right now. God, teach us how to submit. God, break our hearts for the things that break yours, Lord. Draw us close to you. God, we so desperately need you in our lives. Whether we admit it or not, we need you. God, we, we heard today through our songs, Lord, just your great affection that you have for us. God, thank you for loving us more than we love you. God, thank you so much for dying for us. In Jesus' name, amen. Everyone, please stand.